Tonight we will go deep into the realm of the unknown and question everything as we search for the truth. We will explore the possibility of countless phenomenon within the ultra spectrum and together we will learn that it is all connected. This podcast is brought to you by the Experiencer Support Association and it is a live stream broadcast. If you have a question, send me a super chat or become a YouTube member. This podcast is brought to you by the Experiencer Support Association. Take a seat, relax, get ready, and welcome to Beyond the Tinfoil Hat. And welcome to Beyond the Tinfoil Hat. Today is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. And I, Ryan Stacey, am your host this evening. I'm a licensed private investigator, citizen journalist, and the director of investigations for the Experiencer Support Association. Welcome to the channel, and thank you for joining us this evening. A special thanks goes out to all our YouTube members who help us keep this program and others free for our experiencers. Remember that as a member, you get to ask questions live here tonight. For all you non-members, you can support uh, by super chatting or sending a tip on Rockfin. And remember that every little bit helps. So thank you. At the two-hour mark, CC and I will have our after chat. So stick around and we will keep that conversation going and chat with everyone in the live chat while we discuss uh, our thoughts about this episode and share some recent news for Tessa. All right. So let me try something new here. Tonight's theme is a paranormal research uh, author and inspirational speakers. Our guest for season four, episode 30, is Morgan Knudsen. Knudsen? Yeah. Did I say that right? All right. All right, thumbs up. All right. She has been involved in the world of paranormal phenomenon for 20 years. Her story uh, with a great-grandfather... Sorry, her story began with a great-grandfather, Dr. Albert Durant Watson, who is the president of the Association for Physical Research of Canada in 1918, which was one of the first paranormal associations developed in Canadian history. Co-founding and leading uh, entity seeker paranormal research and teachings in 2003, her experiences and knowledge has led to researching and co-creating a unique investigative program called Teaching the Living. Subsequently, she has been featured on and hosted numerous specials and TV shows, uh, such as A Haunting on the Discovery Channel, Destination America on TNE. She's been on the Travel Channel, CBC, CTV, uh, TLC, and Crime Investigations as well. Uh, her work has also been presented at the Rhine Research Center by the Winbridge Institute in 2020, and she is a member, um, she is a member host, and a feature presenter at the Parapsychological Association. Morgan uses her outgoing, tell it like it is approach in determining haunted locations and creating solutions for the people involved. I like that. Uh, her programs are now practiced in three different countries and a part of numerous social work and psychology secondary education courses in Edmonton. Oh, so you're Canadian. Uh, Morgan subsequently received the award for the city of Edmonton for outstanding service in 2008 and graduated from the Edsire. Uh, the Alvarado Zingrown Institute for Research and Education, uh, two years in a row receiving two graduating certificates of distinction in parapsychology. Morgan is also a regular contributor to the number one magazine in the UK, Haunted Magazine. Morgan can also be heard on her podcast, Supernatural Circumstances, with co-host, co-creator Mike Brown, Dark Poutine, in quotations, which, uh, that's interesting, which uh, delves into the mysterious, the spiritual, and the fascinating things in our universe. You can find uh, her 
and everything else on entitysinker.ca. All right. So Morgan, put on your uh, tinfoil hat. We're about to go down a rabbit hole. How are you doing? Uh, good. How are you? Good. You have quite the uh, quite the experience. Wow. Thank you. It's been a it's been a journey. So. Yes. So we're gonna before we get into that, we're gonna start with our icebreaker question, which is provided by CC uh, on behalf of the Experiencers Anonymous group. And I'll just play a little jingle here. Okay, so CC asks, what is the one thing you see happening in the world today that we aren't talking enough about? Ooh, that is such a good icebreaker question, CC. Ah, that is a really good question. You know, um, I think assuming this doesn't have to necessarily pertain to the, the paranormal, I'm guessing this is more of a general question. Um, I think one of the things that we, we often fail to talk about is embracing the part of ourselves that people don't necessarily want to address. I think that's one of the things that, that we, we need to talk more about. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to uh, go through the world and sort of suppress the things that we need to heal or that we need to, uh, uh, you know, address and look at that, that just might not be so great. And uh, I think one of the things that, that we, we don't get enough discussion around is, um, our role in how we interact with our environment when we don't heal those things. So that's that, I think that would be probably in my top five. I would agree. We, we do need to spend more time um, enjoying the phenomenon, I guess. Yeah. Say. No, yeah. Instead of, there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of uh, pain. There's a lot of suffering, not a lot of enjoyment. So I would, yeah. I, that's, that's kind of how I feel. Perfect. Okay, so the next question you usually ask is why are you the way that you are? And, and what I mean by that is tell me how you got here. And I know you mentioned, in, we mentioned in your bio, uh, inspired by your great grand, by your grandfather, right? Great grandfather? Great great grandfather, actually. Yeah. So, so that's his history. So how did you get connected to that? Where did that start for you? How far so, back did you go? Well, this is actually really interesting because I actually didn't find out about his history until about six years into uh, developing Entity Seeker. So uh, my my business partner and my best friend, Stephanie Wirtz, who has, has since passed away, uh, she and I were fascinated with this stuff. And it, it felt like a calling for us because uh, we had both had experiences when we were really young. And um, it, it was just like a there was a magic about this that was so special that called us to ask bigger questions, even at a very, very young age. And so we really put our, our childhoods and things like that aside to to invest in the world of parapsychology and, and the paranormal, not knowing where it would end up leading us, obviously. But, um, you know, we, we just connected with that together so, so closely. And uh, when we began to, when we began the study, uh, we started noticing that there were patterns within the paranormal phenomenon that we were seeing and the patterns in relation to uh, the people and their emotions and their behavior connected in with the phenomenon that they were experiencing going forward. And uh, it was really interesting to us and to the point where that was where we threw all of our energy. And when we thought we finally had something that was somewhat concrete that we could share with people after doing a plethora of investigations and, and stuff like that. And uh, we, we started these workshops and 
and the first one was called Teaching the Living and it stuck since then. Um, but it, it then became a realization that this was about connection with something greater than us and it was about empowerment for, for people and that that's, that's where this needs to go. So um, that, that was really the driving force and we kind of had this, this pack together where we said, number one, this will never interfere with our, our friendship. The day that this interferes with our friendship is the day we quit. That was one of our initial prime directives because we just we were best friends. Um, but the second one was uh, to make this information available to everyone um, on a very accessible level. And that was the other aspect to to what we wanted to do. And I think I think we've we've managed to do that as, as best we could. Okay. So what about any personal experiences that happened to you before that happened? Yeah, I mean, there was, I, there was plenty. Research, but like, you could have picked any field. Yeah. So what kind of drove you into, into that? Well, I was, you know, I was really fortunate, first of all, because I grew up in a, the era where the, the investigators that you could access were people like Lloyd Auerbach and Kerry Gaynor and uh, people that were extremely reputable researchers. Uh, so those that I had access to through television and things like that when I was very young were, were those people. There was no entertainment, ghost show, scary stuff. It, was, it didn't exist. Um, so I was really fortunate in the fact that when I when I had caught some of these programs on TV, I was, I was exposed to some very, very solid, good information. Um, and we were at the time, my family and I were living in, in BC and uh, we were living in some pretty amazing places that had some crazy phenomenon. Um, you know, one of the instances that I remember very clearly was a, a house that we lived on uh, in this one cul-de-sac. And it was, it had a, an incredible array of phenomenon, everything from uh, the residual energy of a, a woman screaming. We had doors opening and slamming that didn't move. We had um, uh, a dog that would jump up on the end of our beds that you, could, you couldn't you could see. Um, there was, it was really, really unique stuff going on. And it was, it was constant, like it was just all the time. So I was really fortunate in that I lived in a number of these places that really immersed me in this, this phenomenon for real. And to me, as much as the, you know, the early incidents freaked me out, like it would any kid, um, it was one of those situations where I just, I, I really fell in love with the phenomenon. It was like, this is all this stuff that we're being taught all our lives shouldn't be happening. And here it is, we're, you know, we're experiencing this. And I was fortunate to have really open parents about this also. Um, and, uh, it was, it was just something that was embraced as, you know, they didn't know what it was, but it was never made out to be something that was horrific and terrifying. It was just, you know, this is, this is part of the wonder of, of the world. And so, it, I, I, yeah, it just, it captivated me from a really early age. Cool. Well, it makes sense. I had a similar, similar experience too, because like I've always been, I'm a UFO guy now, but like, I've always been paranormal. So like it, it just, it that curiosity, right? So you you know that it exists as an experience, and then you experience it, and then you want to know more, and then you got that inquisitive mind, which is why you create all these all these things. So when you say you created this program called Teaching the Living, yeah, what exactly are you teaching? Well, it's not really us that's doing the teaching; it's the phenomenon that's doing the teaching. But it's it's really ultimately the understanding that what we are experiencing and who 
and the, the, the energy and the emotions that we bring to the table are, are really creating in our reality as well. Um, and that we really do have a co-creative experience with the, with the universe and specifically with, with paranormal activity, like such as hauntings and what people consider hauntings um, and psychokinesis and, and things like that. The parapsychology is not separate from the living. Um, and oftentimes what we think and what we're driven home what's driven home with us in the media and some of the TV programs and things like that is that this stuff is asserted on us and that we have no control over what's going on. And we really do. There is, there is a, a, a mechanism where, um, you know, we've, we've got this ability to, to not only interact with the phenomenon, but at times create it. Uh, so when we're in get delving into the realms of things like psychokinesis and, you know, uh, research by people like Dr. Scott Rogo or, um, uh, you know, people like that, you, you've, you've got a whole nother level of, uh, of exploration that you can begin to delve into. And, and that's really what I, I try to bring to the table with people is that this can be some of the most empowering information you're ever going to get. Um, but we do have a role to play. And when we start to own and understand that role, then, you know, you can, you can have some amazing experiences. And I appreciate that too, because like, there are a lot, in my experience, there are a lot of people that come to the reporting part, not understanding what's going on, but there's these fears and these anxieties and these, these, these uh, judgments and thoughts that are associated with it, which may not actually be true. It's just, it's just that fear of the unknown. Why me? Why this? What's going on? We don't understand. So, so when we work with them and we remove that and we realize that it's still possible, are you on the side of like, where do you, where do you fit on this? What do you believe is, is happening? When you talk about the phenomenon, what is the phenomenon to you? Uh, well, I mean, in my field, I, I deal primarily with things like hauntings and, and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, you know, talking about UFOs, I mean, it's, I think like it's a, a slightly separate category. But for from my perspective, in, in terms of, of, of hauntings and stuff like that, it really is the, the study of consciousness. Um, and it is it is our interaction with with the greater consciousness and whether that be survival after death, whether that be, you know, our, you know, the greater portion of our consciousness and how it affects the world, um, you know, what, whatever that looks like. But, um, you know, I, I think there is a, I do think there is a, a universal consciousness that we, that is Im not emergent from the brain, but fundamental to our, to, to the universe itself and that the brain is, is translating said consciousness. So, um, uh, you know, so I think for me, it's, it's that interaction with the phenomenon and how we are as physical beings in relationship to, to that, that greater source. Mm -hmm. So, with cautiousness in mind, and you, and you mentioned hauntings, are they the same thing or, or separate? Like, is this a consciousness event? Well, it, you know, it depends because it, you hear it, in some ways it is all connected because um, oftentimes even when we get hauntings that are just, you know, replays of events in the environment and things like that, you know, that type of thing is is generated from thought. There is a, an ability for, for thought to somehow um be be recorded into the environment and now parapsychology is looking at the idea that this has to do actually do with memory cells and things like that which is pretty cool um but uh you know it it really does all come back to us and so as much as we want to uh, be able to say you know okay well this is just something that's out there that is happening um it really does completely come back to the to the to the person that's having the experience because all we are are translators of experience and that's why some of us can sit in a room of like five people have something happen and every single person experience it differently because we're all translating that in a different way whether it be translating light whether translating event whatever it is um 
So I think when it comes to, you know, like hauntings and, and things like that, if you're talking about, you know, say like, a, a, you know, maybe a disincarnate intelligence or something like that, that's in the space, um, you know, again, it all comes back to, you know, is this, is this thought, is this, um, you know, consciousness is being projected from somewhere else. Like, so it all does tie back to that one question, I think. Hmm. So what about the poltergeist phenomenon? How does that fit in? Well, it's a, it's a really good question because that's where you really get into the idea of psychokinesis, right? Where um, you, you start looking at, and there's a couple of definitions of poltergeist phenomenon as well. Some people consider it um, a, like an actual, you know, thinking entity that is able to move things around where, you know, another group of people might consider it as just straight up psychokinesis, where it's actually somebody who is, um, is using their focus, maybe unknowingly to manipulate things and objects in the environment. Um, but uh, Dr. William Roll and Dr. Scott Rogo um, both believed that it was a, uh, a, a mechanism of thought and focus. Um, and they did extensive studies into the idea that this was um, a demonstration of our ability to manipulate our environment on a non-physical level. And, and their experiments were phenomenal. They had um, uh, quite a number that are, are fully documented. And for people who want to read more about that, they can go to the Psy Encyclopedia online is free, it's, it's completely free, and you can read the white papers and stuff like that on Dr. William Roll. Um, but he, um, he, he had some very, very interesting uh, ideas about this being is connected to people's emotional center, uh, which I have found to be accurate as well, and it's part of what I, what I do with teaching the living, and that is the idea that these extreme emotions end up producing sort of a uh, like a lay effect and there's a delay effect, but um, the ability to maneuver objects and interact with the environment using that focus thought. And it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So it, again, it comes back to that whole idea of this is, this is, you know, it's, it's consciousness and there's something going on, whether it be us or something else. I, I, I share that because with the, uh, I'm studying the experiencers and that's in, in that sense too. And the data that I've, been collecting is I've been having this theory that what you said is what's going on. I have not been to the point where I've been able to test it, but I feel like you've been in a position where uh, you have seen, or perhaps you can uh, manipulate, you know, consciousness as you described. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah there's some really great uh, uh, organizations and whatnot out there that have perfected this to a degree that I have not. But um, it's a, a great fellow to, to look at is uh, Dr. Joe Gallenberger uh, from the Monroe Institute. Um, he has been phenomenal because he has actually taken his workshops in regards to psychokinesis to Vegas, because instantaneously you can get results of that. You know, you can, you can take that idea where you are able to manipulate objects um, and get immediate results at a craps table at, you know, roulette, all of those kinds of things. Um, and he's been able to replicate this like, pretty readily, as I say, to the point where he's able to do workshops and things like that. Um, but the Monroe Institute, who were the actually the, um, they were uh, the group who um, was contacted by the CIA to uh, teach remote viewing and uh, things like that to to the agents at the, um, at the time. This was back in the 70s, um, during something called the, the Gateway Project. And uh, they perfected it to the point where they could they could fine tune the frequency of somebody's brain, uh, and they teach this. You can actually go to the Monroe Institute and actually take these classes. Um, 
and to fine tune it to the point where they can teach people, you know, how to do this stuff. And it's, it's really cool. Um, but they're, they're like the, the leading edge of this on a, a level that I am not, but <laughs> they're pretty cool. What, what I appreciate about it is that it's possible. And, Absolutely. Um, which, which there are a lot of people that have this belief that it's, it's not us, it's something else. Yeah. Right. And we often not look at ourselves as being the host or the, or the cause. Um, and that there's a whole lot of social, uh, you know, sociology and, and ethical issues around all that stuff as to why, but, um, I appreciate hearing that knowing that the science has shown that and there's more data showing that in your work because that's in line with my goals on, on, on those things too. So why do you think, um, this, uh, I guess the, the physical beings comes in place though, is that, um, so we, so I guess in the paranormal spectrum, see, we're talking about three different things here. There's, there's like, there's like over, yeah. we're all over the place. So, so, so I know where your head's at, but I got to try to break it down. So we have para, paranormal, parapsychology, and then we have pretty well everything else. Um, so maybe we'll just do some rapid facts here. So is a ghost, you know, uh, a ghost or is that connected to para, parapsychology? Well, parapsychology is the study of, of that, right? So, um, it, I mean, the idea of, of a ghost in the, in the definition of, of parapsychology is something that is a little bit more residual, is sort of that, that um, almost recording that is played back that might not have actual consciousness in real time. Um, but then you get the survival after death hypothesis, of course, which, yeah. I mean, is, is that consciousness continues and we have that interaction. Um, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that is correct as well. Um, so, like, you know, the idea of, of what is a ghost, I think, depends on the definition that the person's holding um, about what that is. But I mean, I think I think both have been demonstrated scientifically in a in a really solid way. Um, and uh, you know, so many of the skeptics will be like, you know, well, no, no, that just you know that that doesn't exist or whichever. And I, I find that oftentimes it's that's where the uneducation is, um, where they haven't read the current studies, they haven't read the papers, they haven't read the stuff that Yale's doing or Princeton's doing or you know they've, they've just missed it <laughs> so I mean yeah I, I think uh but yeah the definition of ghost depends on on where you where you hold that so where, where do you hold that what's the definition for you I think for me I know when I think of the idea of ghosts I always think of something that is is not uh something residual I always think of something that is a little bit more intelligent that you know interacts with us on re in real time a little bit more um so I, I think that's where I sit with it I mean when I at least when it comes to mind for me. Yeah, coexisting in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not in the past, not in the future. But again, it could be either or. But I'm comfortable with coexisting. So if it if it coexists, and that means it's living, is it human? Uh, you know, that's a really good question, and I, I think that's where a lot of a, a lot of debate has has come in over the years. I, I know for me, there's definitely been case studies that I've done. Um, and the Monroe Institute came to a, an interesting conclusion about this as well in their uh, in in their papers, where um, they were finding that they were dealing with something that they would consider like a thought form, um, where it's thought that's projected and then has become intelligent through with, through focus. Um, and it's it's an interesting study. So in Canada. Um, in the 1970s, Mensa and the Toronto Society of Psychical Research did a, a really interesting experiment called the Philip experiment. And they were actually able to demonstrate and prove this, 
um, that a lot of what we're experiencing is these thought forms that are focused to the point where they create, they have a, a conscious a consciousness and you're able to interact with them. Um, so what they did was they actually had um, this group of people that created a character by the name of Philip that they called Philip and they gave him a backstory and they did all of these different things uh, to the point where they you know, convinced themselves that this Philip was real and they, they wanted to be absolutely sure, no doubt, that, you know, this is what the case was. And then they started interacting with it. They would come and do um, like seance type sittings and things like that and, and acting as if Philip was something that you could talk to or conjure. So as they did this, um, they were sitting around their, their table and they did, they worked on this for about a year. And uh, eventually what ended up happening was that Philip, Philip began to respond. Um, and it would respond to its name. It would respond to questions. It would respond, um, uh, it would move furniture. It would have physical interactions with the environment. It was really phenomenal. Um, and interestingly enough, it only knew what the participants knew. So if you asked it a question and the participant had the wrong answer, it would give the wrong answer as well. So, and they wouldn't of course know that until much later that the answer was wrong, but it was, it was that it was coming from that specific person. So uh, they recreated that event again uh, with a character, with a new group of people with a character they called Lilith. And they were able to repeat the experiment again. And again, this happened. Um, so yeah, so long story short, anyway, long answer to a short question um, is, you know, is it all human? I, no, um, you know, I think there is strong evidence to suggest that we we are dealing sometimes with the this thought forms and that thought and consciousness creates, which really screws up people often because they think, well, how is that possible if they don't have a brain? But the, the current model that parapsychology is working with and that science is now leaning into is that the, the consciousness itself is not emergent from the brain, it's fundamental. So our brain is translating the consciousness in the same way our eyes translate sight. If our eyes don't have an image inside them. Our eyes translate light and energy um, to give us an image that our brain concocts out of the molecules and atoms that we're looking at. Um, and they're looking at that with, with uh, uh, consciousness and, and thought and things like that as well, that the brain is acting like a translator. So um, that being all said and done, the idea of Philip being created by through thought and focus becomes really probable. And the challenges that I see with that is interference because like, like I appreciate the experiment and it's, it's something that I thought about doing too uh, often quite a lot, not to just to kind of prove that human element, because I've always thought pun intended. I've always thought that our, 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 like, okay, so the seance for me. So, so this is this, as an investigator, I'm looking at a seance. So we got individual people trying to all share that thought or have that, share that energy to get um, an answer from this device. Okay, so there's a variance of answers that could come in, but in that room, you have different types of people thinking. And then you might have different types of people that have a different level of psychic ability, psi ability, sure. that they may be aware of or not aware of. And the challenges that I always have in, in the, not necessarily to debunk, but to cross-examine, uh, if you will, is how do we know that the one person um, that is doing it, that's putting the intention out there as the host, isn't receiving a response 
from the answer that they're getting from somebody else in the room because they're really thinking about it. Yeah, well, and, you know, there's where it gets interesting, right, is like, where does telepathy come into into yeah. play with something like this? Um, you know, and what was cool about the, the Philip experiment that I thought was neat was that they only used people uh, in the room who did not consider themselves sensitive or psychic. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. Like some of the people just had like zero, no clue. <laughs> you know? So um, if anybody, you know, perceived themselves to be sensitive or psychic, they weren't allowed. Um, so I, I think that definitely sets something. And, um, you know, there were other fail safes that were, were put in place as well. Because as I say, it was like Mensa and the Toronto Society of Psychical Research. You know, a lot of these people, they were you know pretty knowledgeable, a lot of psychologists and stuff. Um, but I mean, you're, I don't think you're ever going to escape that entirely because of course you've got, you can't control what's going through people's heads and you can't, you know, um, but I, you know, all we can look at is, is the results of, of the experiment and the fact that it was able to manifest twice. Um, there, there's a, another researcher, uh, Anthony Peak, who's working now on, uh, recreating that experiment again, um, in the UK. Uh, so we'll see in the next couple of years what comes of that, because I think that could be very interesting. And he's putting in some new parameters as well. Having, uh, I guess, doing a survey beforehand to make to see people's comfort level or of the psyabilities, that's that's good point, because if the if that's what the evidence is showing, then it's more human because they're unaware of it. Um, whereas someone who, because it's like an ability that can be developed over time, it can be enhanced. So if you're aware you are good at this or have the ability to do it, you're going to practice it. That's how we get these these yeah. these people today that are doing these things because they realize that they can do these things and then they own these skills. So there there has to be, uh, and I believe that there that there is. It starts with the human being. Yeah. Now. The interesting thing is, as you mentioned, you know, you know, the UFO phenomenon is separate. It, it is, I believe it's connected somehow. And I'm trying yeah. to figure out how the UFO, like the crafts itself could be machines. But if you look at the lights, you look at the orbs, you look at all these, uh, you know, different ways of seeing things. So there's different sensors and things like that, too. But there seems to be a pattern where experiencers throughout their course of life, what I've seen is that it starts with contact, starts with the UFO sighting or maybe some beings or something like that. And we don't call them ghost or paranormal because it's just the, just the way yeah. we're raised, but still an entity that doesn't sure. live on another yeah. side. And then later on, they, they experience the cupboard doors flipping, uh, you know, doing all these other things at the same time that they happen to be going through puberty. Okay. And then later on, they happen to, to feel spiritual and natural and all these other things. And they develop a Reiki, Reiki school or something like that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, you know, end of life. And then they're doing tarot card readings and they can read tea leaves and do everything just like that. Right. So, like, I'm, I'm totally like generalizing here. But the point that I'm trying to make at it is that I'm finding that it's very common that it started with some sort of contact. So, yeah, perhaps we weren't always like this or we have been always like this like what do you think like how did that where did this start because we're evolving now yeah it's just becoming more popular um and more apparent as you said before that paranormal is is evolving yeah i i think it's it's such an interesting question because you know it, we also have to to mix into that the fact that you know more people are being allowed to acknowledge it as well so we've got this this growth of people who are now coming forward saying you know this has happened to me and, and things like that um you know i i think 
what I've found uh, throughout my research and, and whatnot is that when we're very young, often we have uh, these abilities are quite heightened. And uh, usually it's the sort of the same with the bumblebee. You know, why can the bumblebee fly? He shouldn't be able to fly. Well, nobody told him he couldn't fly. Um, and with with kids, it's often very much like that. You know, like they're they're not told you shouldn't see these things. You're not told any of that stuff, um, you know, until much later, their minds are very open because the world is full of possibilities. And when that state of expectation is that the world's full of possibilities, these things begin to happen. And then we see it again, end of life, um, term, like determinally ill, um, you know, often will then have these experiences as well. Like these, these the, the busyness of the mind has, has left and stopped. Um, and there's more space for uh, connection uh, on a on a on a bigger level, I think in in these two phases of life. But I, I think as um, you know, with with humanity as a whole, I think we've been through kind of this interesting interesting graph chart. In that you know, it started out where you know everything was uh, you know connected to the spiritual. You know, you go back into like Mesopotamia and Babylonia and places like that, and you know, every illness was was paranormal every illness everything was spiritual everything had to be believed in a spiritual realm and then you know we began to understand um i think it was the 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 assyrian tablets that first uh, described the first case of epilepsy i think and you know here you had this this sort of growth into into science and you know then everything became far more concrete and and then they misinterpreted science so everything had to be then concrete um, which is not what science is for. Um, but then, you know, and then it sort of came back again when they realized that, well, wait a minute, there's more, there's, there's so much more to this, this universe and that these spiritual and these, this, these scientific principles are, are very much interlinked. So, um, I think we, we've evolved as a, as our understanding, um, and as, almost as an expression of the universe, we're, we're, we're evolving in that way. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately i think i think we're going to continue to have more experiences because we're speaking of it more um you know that's the one thing that you know the the plethora of of ghost and ufo programs and things like that have done um even though they've done some harm to the the field they've also opened up the conversation in a brand new way so um we're, we're having this kind of interesting uh you know graph of of evolution i think more people are thinking about it so well more people are vibrating yeah same frequency exactly and yeah. so more things will change so how soon do you think paranormal will become normal i think it's coming um you know I, I think it's coming i mean how many how many gatherings now can you walk into and say uh you know i i felt like so and so that passed away was with me yesterday how many people are going to laugh at you and tell you you're crazy probably not many um you know you can now walk into these places and say you know, look, I've had this experience just this past Saturday. I did a, a show at um, an arena here in Edmonton on cryptids and experiences that people have had around cryptids. And the, I mean, the arena was full. Right. So it's like all these people are going, you know, this is this is cool. This is amazing. There wasn't you know, there's no hecklers in the audience. Everybody's just fascinated. And you know, people come up to you and say, man, you know, I never thought of it like this. Um, I, I think people are are looking for the magic in this world again because we we've been through such hell over the last number of years, and um, I, I think people are looking for that connection and for that magic. And I, I don't think people are 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 sitting in judgment of that. They're sitting in judgment of a lot of things, mm -hmm. but that's not really one of them anymore. 
and awareness is key because there are those sitting in in, in darkness because they, yeah. they they might think why me why is this affecting me and 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 uh, yeah. you know when you talk about cryptids like beings entities wherever this space is yeah. that we're connected to we call I call it the ultra spectrum mm-hmm. um, so this ultra spectrum where all of us are drawing from the same source we all call it something so how we're perceiving it in our anxieties and fears and all that other stuff are, are subjected to, to ourselves. So you got that negative thought and then you got that positive thought rebelling. So, you know, angels and demons. So is it just a negative thought versus a positive thought or are there in your opinion, actual, you know, malevolent? can't say that. Well, <laughs> Say that word for me. Malevolent. Malevolent. There you go. <laughs> Beings. I'm trying not to say the other one, but yeah. Are they bad ones? Yeah. Well, I, again, you know, I, the way bad, I always. Bad thoughts and good thoughts. Yeah. And the way I always explain it to, to my clients is, is it really does come, come back to your predominant place on that emotional scale um, in, in terms of what you're going to end up receiving. Um, this is the one thing that I noticed really, really early on. And um, Stephanie and I did a, a really deep dive into uh, a, a concept called blue zones. And uh, the blue zones are really interesting because they were designated by a, a National Geographic journalist, a freelance journalist by the name of Dan Butner. And uh, he was told to go find the, the happiest places in the world. And this was really interesting for us because when he did, so places like Icaria, Greece was on the list, Loma Linda, California was on the list, uh, Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, Japan, there was a whole bunch of these blue zones. Um, interestingly enough, I think Loma Linda was the only one in the US uh, and I don't think Canada had any of them. Um, but they, uh, they, they were designated by what they called the power nine and the power nine uh, were things like, uh, you know, how supportive are the people around you? You know, do you prioritize support? Um, do your communities uh, prioritize, you know, well-being? Um, you know, are people allowed to get the time off when they need it? You know, what, like, basically, and none of it had to do with money. It all had to do with your own, your own ability to maintain your well-being, you know, how much people walking, enjoying outside, things like that. And um, what I found really interesting was that when you do- dove into the experiences of these people in these different locations, their interpretation of spirituality and uh, paranormal activity was very different than the West. Um, so for example, you go to a, a place like Okinawa, Japan, um, and there was a, a, a military a military installation there. It was there for, for many years. And they wanted to bring the westernized, you know, crazy haunted house experience to Okinawans because they were like, oh, you guys don't have a haunted house. Like, what? you know, we want to do this thing for Halloween. So they built this thing and it was like the typical scary walk through the house and people are screaming and whatever. And nobody attended it and they couldn't figure it out. They're like, no, like, this is cool. We have these all the time in the States. And um, the Okinawans were like, yeah, but the paranormal is not scary. Like, why would you? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, um, yeah they couldn't connect with it because they're just like, yeah, but it's not though. Like, why would you think that the afterlife is something terrifying? So they couldn't connect with it. And so they weren't having these same experiences that, that people over here were having with these frightening things. And um, so when, when we really began to look at that, we just realized that, um, you know, where our, not only our expectations sit when we experience these things, but, um, you know, if, if we've got a bunch of junk that we haven't 
healed up if we've got this these emotional issues or we've you know we're predominantly angry or predominantly frustrated or whatever's going on interestingly enough when you look at the cases you can really easily correlate the type of activity that's going on with the people and their emotional state and what they're going through in their life um, so we realized really quickly that our job was not with the with the entity regardless of what it is that was almost irrelevant our job was with the people because as soon as they began to heal whatever was going on, um, then that activity started to shift. And the reason why was because, you know, you were mentioning vibrational frequency, and this is such a really great example of that, where now all of a sudden you're receiving from a different place. So it's almost like a radio dial. So if you're over here and you're experiencing, you know, hell on earth with the activity that's going on and you shift your dial, then all of a sudden you're receiving from this different point. And we realize that ultimately people need to, they, they've just got to shift their dial a little bit. And so our, our focus mainly became that, which is what teaching the living became. And which is, which is why it ended up in social work and psychology programs and all sorts of stuff um, like that was because it, it really does come back to, to the person, like, like what we were talking about. So, you know, is it any, is it about negative and positive thought? Yes. But it, on a, uh, uh, you know, on a wider scale, I think a broader scale, more about how we're feeling and so, therefore the thoughts we're thinking are generated from how we're feeling. What's hot is we're definitely high conscious. Like we, the environments do change us in, in and in, yeah, in a good place with a lot of good things, you're going to create a lot of good, good energy. And then in a bad place with a lot of bad things, you're going to have a lot of bad energy. And yeah. you as an individual could tether between either or absolutely unintentionally because you can feel it you yeah. walk into a room we can feel when there's someone in that room that you like absolutely. Just, just shitting on everything you might not know who right away but you're like yep. <laughs> this is not good i'm gonna go back over there and we feel that and so there's different parts of the world that feel differently yeah. uh, so like to kind of like come into the whole again just because you i like when people think that the ufo community is different than paranormal because my my job is to try and bridge everybody that's what i'm trying to do is is mm -hmm. kind of kind of share the thought there is with this psyop idea where where propaganda and mainstream media and all these other things they have these rules and plans in place, perhaps allegedly, to instill a certain thought for a certain reason. So, like, if we have, like, war for an example, war, even the threat of war, or even the pandemic, the pandemic yeah. put a very specific thought in mind to everybody at once. Yeah. And when everybody had that thought, everything kind of collapsed. But then eventually we started to think differently after a certain amount of time and things started to change and all these other things. Yeah. But if, if hypothetically, you know, according to some conspiracy theorists, if that was deliberate yeah. and on purpose, my question is, why would we want the entire world to feel negative at the same time? Well, negative is power is powerlessness, right? Like, um, you know, when you're angry, you're by far at your weakest state. Um, you're not clear. Your head's not clear. Nothing's clear. Um, you know, you're not thinking about other people. You're not thinking 
um, I mean, it, it really is your most powerless state because you, you feel powerless and therefore the results that you end up getting are often an echo of that. Um, so, I mean, you know, anytime you've got, a, you know, a system or anything like that is looking for, um, you know, uh, like control over people or, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens to be the case, um, it is far easier to control people who are upset and emotionally reactive than it is for people to control somebody who is clear and can remove themselves from the emotion of what's going on. Um, there was a, a, a quote a number of years back, it was so interesting from uh, uh, Goebbels from World War II propaganda minister from the Nazis. And he said that there was no way that anybody in their right mind, anybody, anybody had, was a clear thinker would buy into the garbage that they ended up promoting with their propaganda. They said, there's, he's no, there's no way he's like, anybody's going to believe that. And he said, you know, I, I had to figure out a way to sell it. And what he determined was that he could sell it by appealing to people who were extremely emotional and easily upset. And once you can get in with those people, those are the people that will grab it and run with it and sell it because they're not thinking clearly anymore and they're not connected with source. They're not connected with who they are. They've lost that. They're, they're absorbed into the mind. Um, and that would, that was how you do it because no clear thinking person is going to buy it. And the, and I think with, you know, with, with this, with, with where we kind of sit right now, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I think why connection and why things like parapsychology and like what you're doing with the experience or support group and whatnot is so important because as that healing starts when we are able to connect back with the greater part of who we are and, and realize that the mind and the thoughts that we are thinking are not the real us. It's not the real, <laughs> that's not who we are. We are, we are something more than that. Um, and when we can realize that we are that stillness behind the thought and we are not the ego, um, then we really start to gain back control of, of who we are. And you can feel whether or not something's right when you hear it. So when you're, you're listening to things, whether it be on the TV or the radio or other people or whatever it is, when you're listening to these things, you when you're in touch with that source, you know instinctively when something isn't right. You don't have to have somebody tell you. You're just like, that ah, doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I always said that people don't change unless they feel different. Yeah, absolutely. There's a readiness, right? Like there's four readiness steps for change. And the last one is, you know, like the first one is you're just forced into it. Um, you know, but then the last one being that you you can't bear to deal with the situation you're in one more second of one more day. And you're so sick to death of that, that you'll do anything to, to, to shift. And, and a shift is important because like I've off, cause I, to be in the middle, I have to I often consider, you know, maybe it was done deliberately or maybe it, it was just a, a happenstance or whatever, but it's the why. So if it was done deliberately, what is the end game? And and to reference what we've been talking to, if there's more people becoming aware and more people sharing love, then we get more love. If we were to do an assessment of, of the, the negative thought versus positive thought pre-pandemic, I would wager that post-pandemic, there is more positive thought than negative thought because we've all been humbled by losing all these restrictions. So now the vibration, the positive vibration should increase in theory 
because we all should be grateful for all the things that we we have all took for granted. So if so all the conspiracy theories out there, if it was done deliberately, then it was done wisely in a sense to push us into a positive future. Because if more of us think positive, then more positive things will happen. So, and that's just evidence that show we as human beings are energy beings. Otherwise, we wouldn't be affected by negative or positive, uh, you know, it wouldn't matter. We'd just be robots. Well, and a, a great example of, of, of what you're talking about is um, there's a, a project that's been going for quite a while um, called the Global Consciousness Project. And, and what they do is they use random number generators to uh, track uh, differences in the global consciousness field. And they, they, they've got these random number generators all over the world. And um, whenever there's something that happens, like, for example, the, the death of the queen, as of recently, or... Um, uh, they all they, felt that. Yeah, they did it at Burning Man. They tried it at Burning Man. All of these different, uh, these different high-level or you know crazy events. Um, they, I think they they recorded it during. I think it was during 9/11 as well. Uh, but really impactful historical events that they've they've tracked, and it, it's very interesting to watch because it's like here you'll be going along in life, and the random number generators are just doing their thing, and then all of a sudden something happens, and the random number generators number generators just bloop, and you're like what is this? Like what just happened? And it's like, it's, it's a really fascinating thing. And some of the things that you think would, you know, disrupt the, the RNGs don't. And then other times you're like, wow, you know, people were really paying attention to this. Um, but it's a, it's a neat thing to, to be able to see statistically, you know, on a piece of paper is pretty cool. It's science. Yes. It's, yeah, you know, it's scientific theory to measure and quantify something that we can't touch or see or anything like that, too. So it's just, again, proof. So, okay. So is there, in your opinion, um, with, I guess, life after death? Yeah, I, I believe that. Um, this stuff is happening, coexisting in present time, communicating with each other and other things. But how does the soul continue after you know after we check out well and, and that's i think a, a question that's that's been on the table for a long time in, in new ways lately uh because we're beginning to understand more about things like uh you know alternate universes uh various probabilities and realities and and uh you know setting ourselves up to experience one probability over another probability so as the quantum physics has really taken a role a great role in parapsychology um for the last i would say like 10 years or more um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the big questions, you know, is it something where, you know, it is just simply a, a different, a, another vibration that is, you know, just out of our realm of senses? Is this, uh, you know, does the, does this consciousness shift over to a, a, a different universe or a parallel universe and this probability ends? Um, you know, is, we can, we can look at things like, um, I think near-death experiences and get a bit of a, a clue. Um, from some of those. Um, I, I did a, uh, in my book, The Gift of Instinct, I talked about uh, Dr. Evan Alexander, who's a, a neurologist, one of the chief neurologists, um, and in, at his hospital, uh, and he ended up with a severe case of uh, very rare meningitis that, that killed him. And uh, as he, when he was in this coma, he, uh, he wasn't responding to medication at all. And uh, during this time period, he ended up having this incredible uh, 
near-death experience. And when he came back, um, he was able to relate a lot of pretty incredible information. Um, and as a neurologist, it was it was something that was really important for him because he said this is, you know, the consciousness is, is so much more than what we, we think it is. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we can look at some of those and, and start to pull bits and pieces. Um, my great-great-grandfather, for instance, his um, when he wrote his two books, uh, he was dealing with a channel by the name of Lewis Benjamin. And um, interestingly, uh, the, the, the entities that called themselves the humble ones, they were, they were a cluster of consciousness, um, they would basically say, uh, you know, here's, here's what it is um, for us um, and relay different experiences and stuff that has, has echoed and mirrored um, what people have experienced with, with near death. So I, I think we can sort of garner little bits and pieces from, from all these, these experiencers that we've, that we've, uh, you know, been lucky enough to talk with. Uh-huh. With, well, with near death, it's near death. So like, they're still holding yeah. on. They haven't actually detached. Yeah. So some, it, some of them, some of them have actually, you know, they die on the table and then they're resuscitated or something like that as well did the energy actually leave the body or is it just just kind of kind of just you know slowly fading out you know because sometimes you can yeah. you can uh, uh what did they used to do back in the day because they couldn't read a, a pulse properly they used to bury people alive because they yeah. had low blood pressure you know and things like that too so one step further from that not near death actual death we know they're gone they're buried they're in the ground and the next you know you see them so how how is that explained uh, through your eyes? Well, I, I think it comes back again to the idea of, of consciousness being fundamental or emergent. And I think if you know if you're if, if we're glued to the idea that the consciousness is stemming from the brain, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, with the idea that it is fundamental to the universe, that we're we are just translating uh, translating said consciousness, then I think it makes a little bit more sense that consciousness is, you know, still is in existence. It's just, we've, we've lost the vessel. Um, and, uh, that connection can still be made, you know, and, and I think that's one of the, the, the most amazing things about, about parapsychology and, and some of what I get to experience with people is, um, you know, when these individuals will come to my workshops or lectures or whatever, and they're like, you know, I just lost my father, or I just lost so-and-so and, you know, all these people around me are having these experiences with them and I'm not having any experiences. And, um, you know, being able to say like, you know, just just hang on a minute. And, uh, you know, with, within like a month or so later, uh, you know, having them email and say, you know what, you were right, it happened. Um, so I, I, I definitely think that there is something there um, because I've just, I've seen too much at this point. <laughs> but is that, but is that, them actually there or is that residual memory from the ones that are grieving that well to yeah I, th I think it depends on the interaction that they have like i mean from from much, sometimes what they will do is is bestow information that somebody did not have before and it's called a veridical apparition um but it, within these vertical apparitions um I, I think that's where you can start to measure it like what is what is being told um, to this person, you know, is there information that they didn't have previously uh, and things like that. And you can start to, to then um, break down whether or not this is something that is conscious or whether this is something that's just playing back. But um, the Winbridge Institute, those good friends of mine, uh, Mark Picozzi and uh, uh, Dr. Julie Baichel, um, they've done a lot of, of research into this and uh, I, they've definitely come 
come to the strong conclusion that this is this is indeed um, something that's conscious, um, or the majority of it is something that's conscious. So, I mean, I, I definitely definitely revere their work, and I, I think they're spot on with what they're saying. So, what about reincarnation? Body leaves, it's there. Does that same energy re-enter? Yeah, I think it can. Um, there's a, some really great papers by a fellow by the name of Dr. Ian Stevenson, and he's kind of known in parapsychology world as the, the reincarnation guy. Um, and, and I think reincarnation is probably one of the best mechanisms that we can look at uh, as to understand what exactly is going on with, with life after death and that, there, that exists. Um, yeah, a lot of Ian Stevenson's work was through with kids. Um, and his, it was, it's really interesting to listen to some of his, uh, some of his information because, um, you know, these kids who are three, four or five years old are coming to these conclusions and you're going, okay, like there's no way this kid knows, should know this information. And yet there they are. Um, so I, I think it's a good mechanism to look at in support of the idea of, uh, the survival hypothesis. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. Okay, so we're going to pause right here, but we'll continue after a uh, message from our professional partners. I don't know where my thing is, so I'm just going to... Uh, you are listening to Beyond the Tip on the Head podcast by the Experiences Support Association. This is the first one back in a couple of weeks, and I'm a little bit rusty, but I'm having uh, having a good time here with Morgan, and uh, you are watching Beyond the Tip on the Head podcast by... I already said that, right. Okay, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Peace. <laughs> it's your business. It's your property. Your assets are worth protecting. Blacklight Investigative and Surveillance Services specializes in patrolling and inspecting residential or commercial property against fire, theft, vandalism, terrorism, and illegal activity. People and buildings are monitored to prevent crime. Keep your property, your people, and your assets safe from threat. Our elite staff are dual licensed private investigators and security guards. Blacklight Investigative and Surveillance Services. Go to blacklightiss.com. The same thing that draws aliens to our planet is the same thing that draws us to others. Exploration, curiosity, sustainability of life, that's why we go. It would make sense as to why they're visiting here. Travis! Quit playing around, man! Get back here! Travis! The last thing I remember was this numbing shock. Stunning sort of a feeling. Very powerful. Get out of here, man! I was just out of my mind with fear, just screaming the whole time. It's been theorized that aliens prefer remote areas because they don't want to attract attention. Whatever it is that they're doing, they would want to do that in a less populated area. There are multiple accounts of the same thing from people from all over the world. People that do not know each other, do not live in the same cultures, and they're all looking up, they're all seeing things in the sky. So it would be naive of us to think that way. Ryan is one of Canada's leading new UFO investigators. Uh, he conducts and oversees UFO investigations on a constant basis and was really taken by his research. He's compiled 
a tremendous amount of data regarding UFOs and handling. Just as interesting, he really goes over how UFO investigations are done and what are some of the mistakes that people make when they submit evidence. Note for starters, don't edit your videos or photos before you send them. If you want to hear more follow-up conversation between Ryan and myself, you can go to richardolanmembers.com where we have a candid conversation on ufology, the paranormal, and more. And remember, while we learn and grow and search for the truth, let's be good to each other. Welcome to the Observation Deck, a state-of-the-art, one-of-a-kind virtual platform that takes video conferencing to the next level by using avatars to navigate a campus, just like you would in real life. First, you install the application and design your very own unique avatar. Then you're free to explore the various areas of the campus at any time from anywhere. There's so many areas and activities to choose from on the platform. There's a thousand-seat auditorium, a large expo hall, a movie theater, a nightclub, an art gallery, and even a beach. Come attend a conference or take a class or hear a lecture. Meet new friends and interact directly with presenters. It's all right here on the incredible Observation Deck campus. Where in the world will you go? Have you ever wondered, or maybe just thought to yourself, if there were others just like you? You know, people with extraordinary abilities, psychogenic advancement, and perhaps unique intuitions. Maybe you just wondered if there were other people who experienced unimaginable, unexplained, or even unusual and paranormal events. Are there people who have more questions, more fears, than answers? Well, you're not alone. You've never been alone. We believe you. Sign up for EA today by going to tessacan.org forward slash EA. That's T-E-S-A-C-A-N dot org forward slash EA. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Beyond the Tank Oil Hat. Have you ever experienced an unexplained event involving the paranormal UFOs, extraterrestrial dogmen, or any other paracryptic? Head over to YouTube. Uh, sorry, head over to our website, www.experienceyoursupport.org, and submit a report. That the others who have already reported be that example that proves we are making a difference. And if it wasn't for these reports, we would not be able to do what we do. And for that, we thank you. Uh, if you're wondering where to get a hat like this that I'm wearing today, you can get it from tinfoilcap.co uh, and support the leak project. Thank you, Rex Bear. I'm actually surprised I will be uh, uh, a guest on Rex's show next week, too. All right. So, you're back. Let's do it. Let's do this. <laughs> Okay, so kind of all over the map, and I'm trying to tie it all in here. But they, they, the paranormal is like, like parapsychology is like the thing. This is the study of consciousness and mind, and all, the, all these other things that connect it to everything. Then there's there's this ufology movement where they think that the government is behind it. I right. guess 
Okay, so even if it's machines, they could. There's still MK Ultra. There's still uh, you know, a bunch of psyops and things like that that um, that could connect all these other things that having a support and driving for it. So we know all these things. We're capable of doing all these things. There's a lot of science on your side that suggests that it's human and normal. And then when the human dies, there's more human and then there's more normal. Where do you think this this idea comes from these these cryptids, as you mentioned before, these beings, these aliens, these monsters? Because those are physical. Some of them. Some of them. Uh, like you have the elementals, I guess, as well in, in the spiritual side. So how, where does that fit? And because they don't biologically yeah. look like us. No, and it's it's interesting that you. It's a great question because um, this is actually uh, something that myself and uh, one of my researchers, Terry Lynn Blake, we've been pondering this question for quite a long time. Um, you know, around especially some of the, the recent cryptid sightings, things like Dogman and, and stuff like that, that don't fall into uh, the physical but at the same time don't fall into the non-physical either um so for example you know you take something like the beast of bray road or something like that you know where it, it seems like something that's very physical uh, but at the same time you go to take a photo of it and it comes out as mist or or, or something like that that it seems to have this sort of, uh, almost transient physical state um and and i think it 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 bears repeating or at least reminding of us all us normies in our meat suits, that we're not entirely physical either. We definitely land a little bit further onto the physical spectrum, but at the same time, you know, there isn't sort of a non-physical and a physical. There's a, there's a this, this exists on a, on a very much a spectrum. Um, so I, I wonder with cryptids, you know, just where they kind of sit within that spectrum. And maybe aliens might fall into this category as well. Um, is just to where it actually sits within the, the spectrum of, of, you know, physical to non-physical. You know, even in, in hauntings and stuff like that, we still get physical responses and reactions. Like, like you know, physical movement of objects, um, you know, walking into a room and seeing somebody physically and feeling someone's physically sitting on a bed, which actually moves the bed, um, you know, stuff like this. There, there is a physical component to it. Um, you know, in the same way that with, with cryptids, there is a very strong physical component to it. Um, so I don't know, I almost wonder if it is, it is on the spectrum, but I mean, in terms of like where they're actually coming from, I think is, as a mystery to everybody at this point. Would it be possible that they are in that, that realm in which we're drawing all this consciousness from? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think everything comes back to, to that. I think everything comes back to that, that source. Um, but you know, as, as to what degree or where from, I mean, there's been people that have reported, you know, seeing flashes of light and these things step out from, you know, what they consider like a, almost like a portal and they've stepped out in these flashes of light and then the flash of light disappears and they walk off. I mean, there's been some really strange, uh, phenomenon that's been going around with some of these sightings uh whether it be, you know aliens or dogman or whatever it is um so yeah i mean i definitely think i think there's elements to our our universe that we just uh, we are so so far behind on uh in terms of our perception that we just we really can't explain it right now well yeah like the metaphysical versus the physical like it, yeah. it, in my studies 
I'm, I'm on this, like I, we want to believe everyone, right? We want to believe that what they have experienced is true to them, especially when there's concerns around you. We may not necessarily believe what they think has happened has happened, but in, in common investigations, there's been numerous reports of stories where they've seen something incredible. You can tell by their character and judgment that they're, they're telling the truth of what they believe it to be. There's plenty of opportunity to capture evidence or they try to capture evidence and it just doesn't appear on camera. So, so, you know, that could be them not knowing how to use the camera them not thinking about it or uh, pointing in the wrong spot. The skeptics can do that too. But if you have the belief, if you have to, if you can prove the character and you believe them and it makes sense because you have other people reporting the same thing, yeah. it might have happened in their mind without them realizing that it was a consciousness event because they see it out in the reality and they believe it to be physical when it might actually be metaphysical. And so, so what I'm learning is that like, like you're studying people that want that, that are kind of aware that they have these abilities. There's a group of people that have these abilities. They don't even know. Sure. And that kind of gets in the way. And for me, that would make sense because it's a place where all this stuff fits. But how do we get, how do we measure that? How do we fit? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. And, you know, and I, I think only time's going to tell in terms of what we're able to, to understand about that area of the universe. Um, we're so... It, we're, we're, as I say, we're so far back right now in terms of this stuff. And some of it's just coming to light over the last 10 years. Um, you know, just in the last little bit, less people have been labeled crazy than there were 10 years ago um, and more credible people stepping forward to, to talk about it. So, I, you know, I think that's where you know, we really have to lean into, you know, trying to gather as much testimony as we can and, and to be able to start to piece things together um, through what's, what science is telling us, you know, what many of these organizations, these research organizations are telling us um, right now, because I know, I know for myself, like there's, there's some things that have just hit my desk in, in regards to this stuff that, I mean, I don't have an answer for, and, and I don't think anybody else does either. Um, there's a, a good friend of mine in, uh, in Wisconsin, are in Pennsylvania right now, but often does his investigation work in Wisconsin, um, uh, Eric Mintel. And the, I mean, the two of us are going back and forth all the time because we have properties uh, both in Alberta and in, in uh, Wisconsin that are very similar. I mean, the two of them are like mirrors of each other activity wise. And we have no idea why. I mean, they're sitting on fault lines. We know that that might play a role in terms of the electromagnetics and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, they're very similar uh, uh, property-wise, in terms of uh, the topography and geology and stuff like that, um, but you know, bizarre things that are, are you know, I, I still get calls going. I have no idea what this is or what this means, and all we can do is document until pieces start coming together. Mm-hmm. It might even be biological. You know, study. You never know. Study. I, I, I'm measuring trends with blood type. I'm measuring trends with hair color. Mm-hmm. I'm getting characteristics with experiencers. I'm seeing trends, yeah. um, you know, statistically higher. It's I'm, I'm seeing it in uh, fair-haired and fair-dyed uh, females seem to be uh, uh, the most common ones that have these experiences. So, like, but then, so 
what I'm tracking here is you and your friend are living in these places, though, right? Well, she is. Um, I get to visit. Okay. <laughs> I'm lucky enough so, that like, I get to have visit. You, like, have you compared, you compared your places, but have you compared yourself to each other? Like, do you um, guys have yeah. similar traits, similar abilities, similar... Uh, you guys could be the cause, and that's why the same thing is happening in either place, because you guys are on the same level. Well, I mean, it's it, her, her place is is very different from, from uh, uh, Eric's uh, case, um, in the sense that, um, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, you know, ge genealogically, there's no connection. Um, you know, the one house is owned by a, you know, a, a math teacher, the other is owned by a social worker, um, psychologist. Um, you've got, uh, you know, two different, uh, you, you know, she's, uh, first nations, um, he's Caucasian. Um, like there, there isn't, there doesn't seem to be any uh, correlation in that regard. Um, but what we found within parapsychology is that um, it's not necessarily the the physical traits that, at least in these cases, um, and within hauntings that seem to be uh, the the main factor, but rather personality type. Um, the studies have shown over the years that people who are more uh, more outgoing, uh, more bubbly, more extroverted, um, people who are genuinely uh, happier with life, um, typically have more experiences than people who are, say, maybe more uh, uh, maybe more left-brained, a little bit more introverted, um, and things like that, and that they typically don't have the same level of experiences as the others. So. Um, in the, those regards, you can start to compare some of these cases and go, hey, wait a minute, like, you know, there are some similarities, but not necessarily like physical, but but actually um, uh, personality trait wise. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, too, because extrovert, you're putting you're putting the energy out, whereas introvert, we're putting the energy in. Yeah, and a little bit less um, inhibited in terms of risk taking. So a little bit more willing to believe certain things other than than somebody maybe who's introverted, who's worried about uh, what somebody might think of them. Uh, or, or something like that, keeping stuff inside rather than, uh, you know, exploring uh, new things. But it's, it's still possible from either side. It's just a different method. It's just a different yeah. thought. And then you throw that whole the whole mix of psychology and everything else that, that you know, yeah. what kind of life did they have and all the suppression things like that too. So Absolutely. Still, still human. I love Still it. human, man. <laughs> I like my, my research is telling me that it's humans. It's not, mm -hmm. And that makes it easier to solve. Yeah, we study the people because we can measure ourselves. We can measure exactly. What we, do. we can measure what we say. We can measure how these things with each other. Yeah. I, you know, to investigate all the cryptids, we got to find one. You know, Bigfoot is this huge thing, huge, huge thing. A lot of you know types of evidence and things like that closely related to, you know, monkeys and apes and all that fun jazz. Yeah. Um, but we haven't caught one. You know, and if we were able to catch one, then we could study it, we could understand it, um, but we can catch humans. Yeah, and we can we can study, and this is what I, I learned early on with Steph, was that we, we could, that, that, that type of phenomenon is, it, it can be very hit and miss, especially when you're dealing with, with hauntings and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's very difficult to predict when something is going to occur. Oftentimes it's very much off the cuff of you know, whatever's going on in the house at the time. Um, but you can turn around and look at the people and, and that's your constant. Um, and, you know, the rest become variables because, you know, 
you could have a glass blow up or a door fly open or you know any, a myriad of different things could happen but your one constant is the people um, so that's really what you can start to turn in and look with and then look at um, is is well what are the what's the common denominator here and it's it's there's a person that's there that is you know experiencing these things and if you can begin to work with them uh, you know then then things start to shift it's actually talking with them uh, Eric Mintel earlier today, we were talking about the Beast of Bray Road and the dog man not too far from here. And um, that was the one thing I was telling him was that, you know, we get the most positive responses when we go out to this property and just be positive. Like, how would you want to interact with, with you know, something um, and just and put it out there and and allow that to be your point of attraction where where now all of a sudden the experiences that you're going to have um, begin to meet the 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 energy and the intention that you're putting out there and and it I mean almost 100 percent of the time you see a response um, and it, it but it really is it starts with you you know you can't control what's going to happen out there you just it, you can't especially in this field um but but you can begin to control your emotional set point and and where your point of attraction is going to be when you can do that then all of a sudden you know the, the world starts opening up with this stuff in a big way and interestingly enough the the psychic experiment experiments that have been conducted in places like the institute of noetic science and, and places like that when people go into it with exactly what i was saying with these set intentions of of you know open-mindedness and positivity and um you know joy and passion about something the response whether it be whether you're doing a gansfeld experiment or remote viewing or whatever it is they are so much higher than the people who walk in that are skeptical or miserable about it that it's, it's a drastic difference so it's a measurable difference um and uh you know, you can see it just play out again and again. And I, I think, you know, when we bring that to the field, then we see that reflected back there too. You mentioned Bray Road. Uh, the I don't know if you can follow my pen, but there's a, there's a pennant there, that red one. I see. Yeah, that's the beast of uh, Bray Road right there. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. I just, that's why I moved my chair over. Yeah. I'm to show that. Okay, so, yeah. I mean... For the experiencers, the whole point is for us, uh, me to understand, you know, why this is happening. So that way it helps us um, refer you um, to the right people um, at the right times and right places. So so there's there's that there's that evidence that shows that it's uh, we're capable and we're and it's possible. And there's evidence that shows that depending on how we perceive it and how we think, Will change the you know the outcome of the same thing and and the goal is to when we exhibit negative thought and negative behavior around it is to try and change that so that way at least you can think positive now in the abduction phenomenon and things like that that is negative that will be always be negative and there's different things yes. that we have to have to work on but you know, in terms of healing. So what I'm kind of framing to uh, with this is I want to know about your approach to your investigation because you are an investigator as well. Yeah. So you, you're quite versed in this. You've done your science, you've done the research, you understand what's going on, but how do you, new case, what do you do? Walk me through that. 
Yeah, every case is different, um, you know, depending on what's what's actually going on. But the, at the end of the day, the, the first thing we have to look at is is the people, um, which is where my interest is instantly, because you, I can you can almost predict the type of phenomenon that they're experiencing as soon as you get a good history of what's going on with them. Um, and, and that really is something that's, that's so important. Um, oftentimes in this business, people immediately go to the phenomenon and they're just like, well, I got I to gotta look at all the phenomenon and try to figure it out. But if you start with the, the human being, um, you can really begin to understand where the phenomenon is coming from. Like, so for example, um, you know, I've, I've had quite a number of cases where there's been, you know, some sort of violent phenomenon that's been going on in the home because rarely do people call me when they're having a good time. Um, so when, uh, you know, you'll have this, this, this crazy chaotic, uh, you know, haunting or whatever it is that's going on. And they're going, you know, I don't understand where this has come from. And then you get talking with them or you interview them and you find out that there's, you know, been chaos in the home for a long time. You know, maybe there's like spousal fighting or abuse. Um, you know, I've had cases where, uh, you know, there was a, a young woman who had gotten out of a extremely abusive marriage with her young son and had married a new guy, a really nice guy. Um, but because she hadn't cleaned up the uh, the emotional trauma of what had happened during that experience, the the entity and the consciousness that had had was now inhabiting the home was delivering the abuse in the exact same way that the prior boyfriend had, and she couldn't figure out what the hell was happening. She's like, you know, I just I just got out of this, and now here I am dealing with this in another front. Well, that's the one thing with the, with the universe is that it's going to it'll replicate it until you clean it up. Um, so, you know, for her, the, the work was, you know, getting her to a place on an emotional level where she was, you know, healing and dealing with things and getting her joy back um, and getting some of that joy back within these people's experiences is really, really, really key. But it's, it's looking at what's going on in the home, looking at what's going on in the business. Sometimes it's a business. Um, you know, and understanding the dynamics. And then once you can do that, you can start to see the reflection of the dynamics within the, the, the spiritual activity that's going on in the house too. So uh, once you can sort of clean that side up, and as I say, it looks different for everybody because every case is completely unique. Um, and sometimes that involves pulling in outside resources, you know, getting them to go to classes, getting them to, you know, whatever it is. Um, but it really does keep coming back to, to, you know, what's going to restore the equilibrium for these people and just get their joy back, get their life back on track. And once they do, that stuff becomes, it becomes irrelevant. It starts to shift and change on its own, but it's not going to do that until people start sorting themselves out. And that's why you hear oftentimes of people moving from house to house to house to house and saying, well, I'm cursed or, you know, I've just moved again and there's more stuff going on and, you know, it's following me. Well, it might not be following you, but you probably found another one. Um, you've created the same thing again and you'll keep creating it until you start cleaning up the, the root cause of what's happening. And moving does not help. Um, you know, wherever you go, you take you with you, unfortunately. Uh -huh. um, and, and, you know, so until that root cause is cleaned up, you're, you're, you know, it, it's not going to change. It'll just show up in a different way. And sometimes it'll show up not in the form of a haunting. Sometimes it'll form, show up in the form of continuous bad relationships or oh. continuous bad bosses. You know, you quit one job, go to another job and the boss is terrible there too. And it just repeats itself again and again and again. And since with some people, it just shows up as, as uh, uh, paranormal stuff. Uh-huh. But not, but not so paranormal, actual normal, because yeah, 
we're thinking outwards, thinking it has to be something. Yeah. There's that belief. If they're yeah. in there, we want there to be something after. Like, so belief yeah. gets faith gets on the way. Um, okay, so so you're in a situation where that all that stuff exists. It's a it's a you you've done your investigation. You're aware um, that there's some untreated trauma that needs to be processed. Do you leave? Or do you just, or how do you, how do you help them? How do you communicate that to them? To all my clients have, I've ended up staying in touch with, um, but it's, it's all been a situation where, you know, it's, it, it is connecting them sometimes with community okay. resources. I mean, I, I've got my limits as to, you know, what I can do. I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not, you know, I'm not these things. So they, we, we have, you have to start reaching out to, to people around you that, that can help these people long term. Um, Cause you know, sometimes it takes a week, sometimes it takes a year, right? Um, and it's their journey, but ultimately it's getting them to understand that here's, here's where the change needs to happen. You know, I, I can be a compass, but I can't be the solution. Uh -huh. They've got to be the solution to what's going on because they're the only ones that can make the definitive path to, to, to where they want to be. Um, and there are plenty of people that don't want that. There are plenty of people that are quite happy to stay in the mess that they're in because looking at what they need to fix is too painful and it's just simply easier to have some crazy paranormal phenomenon going on around their house than it is to look at the hard stuff um you know so there's there's plenty of that as well or people that just you know they they, they just don't want to accept that they've got a role in it so like nope this is something they want to play the victim and they pull the victim card and that's it um so i mean there's plenty of people that don't want to to, to do it that way and that's fine um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's going to be the, the root of, of, you know, what they, what they want to do. But, you know, I, I can point it out. You can lead a horse to water, but that's as far as it can go. Well, your approach is, is bang on because that's the way it should be done with investigations. Like even with victim crisis, a situation, they show up, they just witness a murder or a suicide, something traumatic. They do the same thing, bedside manner, they deal with everything and then they provide them resources um, you know, uh, to, to help, help deal, help deal with that. Now, um, now quite more tragic than other things, but I mean, the concept of, of basically uh, listening and being there and then providing something and then allowing them to make themselves better if, mm -hmm. if it's possible. So, um, in your field, like, do you find, like you're not a clinical uh, um, psychologist, but they, like, but are there clinical psychologists out there that is willing to touch the subject matter without, yeah. with belief and not just turning it around, say, you know, throwing in schizophrenia and other terms like that, you know? Yeah. And they're out there. Um, uh, actually a, a good friend of mine, um, Dr. Cal Cooper, he's one of them. He's uh, a psychologist and um, uh, is, one of works at uh, out of Northampton University um, in Northampton, United Kingdom, and um, he actually has a, a program that he works with here in Alberta as well um, that studies hope. Um, and his specific area of study is uh, bereavement and grief and parapsychology, and the relationship between all of those things. Um, but th there are people that are out there, and there's more coming. Um, the, interestingly enough, South America is really far ahead in that department, um, further ahead than a lot of the West, uh, where they started very early on sort of a counseling organization for psychologists and things like that, where people that have had experiences can come and, and connect with a psychologist that actually won't tell them they're crazy. 
Um, and it's it's coming more and more, but that's one area where I think there's still progress to be made. Um, there is a, a fellow by the name of Dr. Alexander Moira Almeida um, in, uh, in, in, the, in South America. And uh, his work has been fascinating because he's been dealing with um, uh, using fMRI imaging and uh, imaging the brains of uh, psychics and people that have had these abilities and proving the fact that this is not a type of schizophrenia, that this is actually activating a different part of the brain. And his main goal is to try to eliminate the stigma um, that this is some sort of crazy mental illness or you know something like that. And it, it's it, it's work like that that I think is is really really important. Um, and to not not join the join marry the two together in a way that you know just because you have a mental illness means that these experiences aren't real, and just because you're having these experiences doesn't mean mental illness isn't real. Um, and I think that distinction is something that's really important. But there are more programs in, that are coming out. Um, but I would encourage anybody that is, you know, had these experiences and is seeking a psychologist, you know, really vet these people, you know, really vet these people, because you don't want to end up in a situation where you're just, you know, getting prescribed medication or something like that for something that is a, a legitimate, uh, you know, personal experience that that isn't tied to delusion. And you know, we're, we're at that point, we know that, but not everybody understands that in the medical field yet. I, and I, I appreciate that. And the reason why I asked that question is because I I'm, I'm trust what you're saying and I, and I sense the truism from that because I have vetted out some who claim to have credentials and yeah. learn that they don't. And there's manipulation, there's money, there's monetization, all that other stuff that gets in the way. And they, they are sure they're there, they're providing a need, but they're not actually doing the proper work. So, yeah. you know, in the future, perhaps there might be a message there where we could perhaps share resources um, so we could connect my people with your people to make sure they're, uh, if there's help available, that's something uh, that I've always been looking for. And I, I'll give you an example and we come back to like kind of providing clearings at houses or something, some sort of, um, support. So one of the options is yes, referring them to outside parties, but you got to leave them there in the home. And a lot of a lot of times, people resort to smudging or house clearing. Yeah. So my question for that is that like, is that a common trend thing in your opinion, or like, does it actually work literally, or are we just giving them peace of mind? to change their thought temporarily so they can go to bed at night. Yeah. And well, and the funny thing is, 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 yeah, I mean, ultimately when you're dealing with any kind of ritual, that's essentially what's happening because there is no one way to deal with this stuff. I mean, every culture, no matter where you are in the world, whether you're in Africa or whether you're in Canada or, you know, wherever, uh, every culture has a different way of doing it. And ultimately the, the power in these rituals is the fact that it gives us empowerment, which shifts our, or the, the vibration in which we're attracting. And when we do that, when we shift our place on that radio dial, we begin to attract different things. So if that if that ritual is empowering and it's something that, that you know, will allow you to, to stay within that empowered state, um, you know, and start to feel better and move on, then, then it works, then it's great. Um, you know, if you're coming at this as something with, you know, fear or, um, you know, I'm, I'm afraid, so I'm going to do this thing to try to get this thing out of my house, then, 
No, you're going to attract more fear. That's just how it's going to work. But there is no one specific answer where you can say, you know, only this religion has the answer or only this culture has the answer. Everybody is on that continuum. And that's one of the things that I, I would talk about often in my uh, the social work programs that I was working with, because they would come in and say, my way has to be the answer. They would say, you know, I'm going to fix this family and I'm going to make them believe these things. And when I can make them believe these things, then all the things will be well and everything's going to be fine. And that's just not how it works. You, you can't approach, uh, you know, say, for example, uh, you know, a Buddhist family in the same way that you're going to approach a Muslim family. It's, it's two different belief systems. So what's going what's going to make someone, for example, who really loves painting and art and 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 cats feel better is not going to be the same thing that makes the person say for example who you know finds their zen and their joy working on trucks and doing math problems there it's not going to be the same um and it's not that anything is wrong with either nothing is wrong with either but what gets them to that better feeling place is going to be different and it's different with everybody um so when you turn around and you have like for example you know my good friend, she's she's Cree and she uses smudging and she finds it that it's it's very helpful because it brings her right into that that connected state that she needs to be in. Um, and it's it's wonderful for her. For me, that's not my thing. I, I'm not Cree. That's not where I get my power from. For me, it's it's through meditation um, and things like that. Neither one is incorrect. And that's another tool that can be used to alter exactly. the thought. So we're changing yeah. the mind. And at the very minimum, all we need to do is let them know that they're heard yeah. and they're not alone. Validation is everything. Validation is the key. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, thank you for doing that because you're doing the same thing and it's on the other side of the world or very, you know, like it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Different, you're right. Like different methods, different. That's where it gets mixed up because we have different faiths and religion and beliefs. Yeah but there's still a, a source it, it yeah. what's common is is common is that there is something above us there is a higher power there is another yeah. source that is the all creator we call it something different we have different practices to change our mind we know enough that when it when we're feeling negative we need to do something to alter our state yeah. so, we, uh, so we we're smart enough to know that bad is bad and we want it and and, and good is good and we want more yeah. good sometimes we get stuck yeah. and and so it's it's light it, yeah, and and it's you know it, it, there's 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 so many different different terms for it, and you know as I say, all these these cultures all over the world have a gem to share. Um, you know, like I was talking about the blue zones, you know, and and these blue zones, all different cultures all over the world, um, but every single one of them prioritizes joy, and it, that really is what everybody wants at the end of the day. Everybody wants joy. We want peace. We want to be you know living our passion. We want to be connected with with all that is we, we want that feeling whatever that looks like for us and you know where people get stuck and where a lot of investigators i think get stuck is that they think well that has to look like mine and if it doesn't look like mine well then that's why you're having all this trouble you just you're just not doing what i'm doing and it's like no no, no that's not how this goes it, you know this is this is going to look different for everybody and your job is not to fix them your job is to just allow them the space to find where they need to where they need to be to bring that joy you know back into their experience and when you've got that um which is why i wrote my book teaching the living 
um, when you've got that piece in place, then all of a sudden, um, you, you know, now we've got something that we can really work with. And it's a common denominator among everyone, no matter what language you're speaking. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, we all want to feel the same. We all want to, all we need is a little bit of love. And Absolutely, yeah. changes everything. Again, no aliens, humans, still humans. <laughs> There's a, re a really interesting book, and I don't know if you've, you've ever read it, but if you haven't, def definitely pick it up. Um, it's by a fellow by the name of David Halperin, and it's called The Intimate Alien. Okay. And uh, it was a really interesting book, and, and I don't necessarily agree with the entire thing because I, I, I'm one of these people. I, I do believe that there's definitely other creatures and things out there that we don't know. And his, the, the element to his book is the fact that he he says, you know, no, this is completely, completely human the whole thing is just you know a projected thought and, and whatever and I, I think there are other critters out there um and, and whatever but his the concepts that he brings forward in his book it, are very very interesting and very much along the lines of what we're talking about um you know it's just how much of this is is you know our our projected thought and then the projected thought that begins thinking and it's really cool what like I don't, I do believe that there is something else out there. There might be extraterrestrials, but I, I don't think they have any interest with us and the ghosts and things like that. That's that's more human stuff too. But like, oh shit, I lost my train of thought. Damn it's it, okay. it'll come back. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, let's let's look at uh, let's. I got your website open. I got a little bit of time here. So if you want to maybe walk me through um, what we could find on your website, maybe we'll just, just talk about it so others can uh, explore and learn. Yeah, you mentioned a book too, and like, can we find that on here? You sure can. Books are right up on the main menu at the top. Um, right there. There you go. So, yeah, so I've, I've, I've written two, and the, the third one, Winter Legends and Lore, is uh, one that I actually did the foreword for and illustrated with a, a good friend of mine, Chad Lewis. He did the research and the writing. Um, that one will be out later this year. Um, but uh, the, the other two, um, Teaching the Living um, from Heartbreak to Happiness in a Haunted Home, um, that book ultimately is exactly what we've been talking about. And, and I had written it originally it was it was shorter actually originally than what uh than what it is now um but uh this is the second edition that, that was just published uh this earlier this year and um it's a it was it, it was serving as a guide for people that were looking into this this type of philosophy um and for anybody to be able to pick up uh that covers exactly what we're discussing right here um different types of haunting phenomenon how it's all connected um, and, uh, and, and along this line of thinking, this idea of, um, you know, thought creating reality, um, and the science to back it up, what's there behind it. Um, and how do you deal with it? How do you make, apply it to your own way of being, um, and the gift of instinct, uh, paranormal lessons for an extraordinary world, uh, just came out actually very recently here. And, um, it's a, a book that was, it, I, I wanted to to make these lessons practical for people. So what I did was I looked throughout parapsychology for the, for the great minds and the great stories, and many people will be very familiar with, um, to find the lessons, the life practical lessons within this stuff that people can relate to, um, to get themselves connected back with, with, with all that is. 
Um, so, and this book was really about if you've had a goal or you've had something going on within your experience that you just, you haven't been able to get to, um, and you're just looking to rediscover the magic in, in the world with the paranormal, this is the one. Um, so yeah, so both of the, both of the books are available on, on the website through Amazon's. And when's this one coming? That one is coming out, I believe late fall. So I'm guessing probably October, November. Um, and that'll be through Chad Lewis's website, which is chadlewisresearch.com. And uh, it's a collection of crazy winter folklore and just some of the creepiest stories <laughs> that, that have been concocted throughout history. And they're, it's really, really fun. So this is your, this is your podcast? This is your podcast. Yeah, and it was formed with um, a very famous uh, Canadian podcaster, uh, true crime podcaster, Mike Brown, uh, who does the show Dark Poutine. And uh, is one of he, he ended up uh, writing a best-selling book here just uh, the other, uh, I guess it was last November, uh, which has been on the bestseller charts now for a while. And uh, Supernatural Circumstances was, we wanted to put a podcast together to talk about these types of issues um, to bring a little bit of empowerment into people's world. And we talk with some of the brightest and best minds um, in the field of whether it be uh, cryptozoology or parapsychology, ufology, um, uh, psychologists, artists. Um, and we just, we try to bring the, the real stuff to the, ta to the table um, in the most entertaining way that we can. So we've had some fantastic guests and fantastic topics um, that, I mean, every time that I sit and, and get to do an interview with some of these people, it, I'm learning constantly. So if, if people uh, want to check it out, it is on every single podcast platform you can, <laughs> you can ask for, including iHeartRadio and, and many others, but yeah, supernatural circumstances. I also put the link in the, in the comment section too. So Perfect. Thank you. As well as uh, the link to your two books too. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so the events you wanted to talk about too, right? So you're doing events. Yeah, there's always there's always something going on. So one of the things that I, I really really love to do, and it's it's my I think my passion above most of the other things is um, the fact that uh, I, I get to present these subject matters to people in the most unique way that I can. And a lot of my background is in theater. So for me, uh, being able to do live shows, live theater shows, live presentations um, is, is one of my absolute passions. And the, the thing that's been missing in parapsychology has been a way to get the right scientific information to the general public in a way that is not them sitting down and reading a bunch of boring papers. Um, it, because you don't need to fake this stuff. You don't need to be, you know, out there creating stories and faking evidence and this kind of a thing. The real stuff is where the magic is. And so for me, it's been trying to figure out these different theater shows that I can bring to different people, different communities all over the, all over, um, and, uh, and present this stuff in a way that is memorable. It's fun. It's exciting, dynamic, and something that people are going to remember. And then they can, you know, go look the information up afterwards and they can find out that it's not fake. So, <laughs> um, so all my live events are on entityseeker.ca and, um, I'm available for, for bookings and, and whatnot as well. So if they, if people want to give me a shout, email me, 
uh, through my website and can arrange that also. So that's, that's oftentimes how uh, shows get to the get to different communities. People can email me and find out. So you're, uh, I just noticed you put our show on there for tonight. Thank you. I sure did. Thank you for doing that. Um, so you're going to be at this place next. This is where you're going to be next. Yeah. And this is, if these workshops, what we call the Haunted Hollow, um, are just an absolute blast. We've been uh, taking people uh, sort of out from behind the, the desks and behind their TVs um, into these locations in this specific beautiful acreage um, out here in Alberta that has had a plethora of activity on it. And we take you through everything from beginning right to the end in terms of investigations, um, uh, protocol, the experiences that have happened here, um, and demonstrate the phenomenon that's actually been going on in the property because it is so frequent. Um, so people have had some absolutely fantastic experiences. Um, we have not had one yet where people haven't experienced anything. Um, and it's, it's been a really great adventure. So the next one is October 8th, but they're, we're booking them right through October. So people can come and experience this stuff. Like you said, this is a dry event. Once yeah. specify, there are a lot of people that like to get liquored up before they go and do these things, especially with the time, time of year. Yeah. That's the one thing we're always, we're always really careful is that the people's experiences have to be sober. Um, you know, and, and it just takes one person to end up ruining stuff for everybody. Um, so we're always making sure there, you know, don't you, people can't come intoxicated. There's no alcohol on site. Um, you know, anything like that, anything that's disrupting the experience for people, they're out. Um, so we're, we're really, really careful about that kind of thing. And, and there's dangers on the property as well. You know, we're dealing with, a. uh, you know, a, a property that's got ponds and lakes on it and things like that. When it's, you know, if it's dark outside, if you, you could easily fall into something like that. So uh, everybody's got to have their, their wits about them and, and be prepared for whatever. So on your television and film and live show section here, do you, do you actually, do you have any other television things coming up? Yeah, I've got, yeah. Haunted Hospital season four will be out um, this October which will be really, really good. I know it's, it'll be on t and &E in, uh, in Canada and usually Travel Channel and Discovery Plus and things like that in the U.S. Usually places like uh, Destination America and channels like that usually pick it up pretty quickly. They've aired the other seasons. Um, so, but well, we're excited about season four because uh, they've, they had some really, really unique stories come up this, this season uh, and addressing folklore like the hag and um, uh, sleep paralysis, addressing stuff like that and whatever. So it's, it's going to be a really different season, I think for people. And, um, you know, myself and my, my two co-hosts, um, Richard Estep and, and Christopher Brewer, they bring very different sides and opinions to the, the stories and, and whatnot. So it's a, it's a really great mix of, of, um, cultures and investigators and stuff like that. But it's a, yeah, season four, it should be coming out pretty soon and it'll be, Hopefully we'll get greenlit for a season five. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. Yeah, well, season four. I can't believe it's season four. I did. I helped season. with the research for season one. Awesome. Some, did some background investigations for, um, I think his name's Tobin. Yep. Tobin yeah. Yeah. So you see Tobin, tell him I said hi. I will. He's a fantastic person. I know. Just love been, working with him. Yeah. I'm a little rough on the edges, so he's been trying to get me in the seat for, for a while, but I'm a, I'm a different style in terms of uh, explaining things. I usually explain things away, as he politely told me. Right. <laughs> so 
So, uh, you know, that's, you know, otherwise I'd be sitting there with you. So that's great. That's great. All right. So we have 10 minutes left. What would you like to talk about? That's a, that's a very good question. We've covered so much already. Um, you know, I, I think with, I think whenever we, you know, we get to have a conversation like this, I think it's, it's so, it's so valuable and it's, it's so important because, you know, people, people go back on discussions like this. That's the wonderful thing about things like YouTube is, you know, people can go back on, on these conversations for, you know, years to come. And to, I think to be able to, you know, sit down and have this, this, you know, these conversations are just, it's so invaluable. And for people to be able to get these resources and get these links to, to connect in a way that, you know, will help, will help further their own journey and their, their story. Um, it's, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I love, I love sitting down with you know, people like you to be able to, to, to talk about this and, and hopefully there'll be some aha moments for people that'll watch this going forward. Yeah. Cause we're, we're all trying to eat the same or tackle the same problem. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and we all have different backgrounds and different uh, educations, different understandings, but we're all trying to help our people understand things that can't be explained, you know. And, and trying to understand it ourselves. I think, you know, like that's part of the this journey, too, is, you know, real. I think realizing, and I know for me, it's like, you know, I get to this point where, you know, I think I've read everything or, you know, I've, I've been through, you know, X amount of phenomena or whatever, and then something new pops up and you start to question, like, okay, what is this now? Like, I don't, I've never seen this before. And so I think it's, it's being able to share in that journey, uh, you know, with, with the people, you know, as, as we're moving along. And uh, I, I once, uh, when I was, I, when I had a, a, a larger a team that I was working with, I, I once fired a guy for turning around and saying, I've, I've learned everything I don't need to learn anymore. And I, I fired him because that's not how this is. That's not how this works. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, you know, that's, that's not what this universe is about. And, you know, it is constantly ex expanding. It's constantly unfolding. And, and ultimately this is really, um, you know, this is the journey that we're all on and all experiencing, trying to figure out like what our place is in this universe. You know, it's it's really it's really wild. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's start. I got one question here that I haven't asked. We'll kind of end on it, I guess. Um, in terms of, I guess, evidence. So through your experience with everything else, like we're talking theories and we're talking science, things that have been measured but to like proof, you know, is there, is there any uh, specific device or tool that could be used that you prefer that gives the best evidence? That's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. I think, I think one of the, the first tools that we, that we have to rely on is ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, that's, I think the, the first biggie. Uh, one of my favorites, I think has over the years in terms of, of, of equipment has is probably bounces between um I, I really enjoy the trail cams when it comes to the, the cryptid side of things so those have been i i find just last um because you you know you go out you find out that there's you know stuff on there the cameras fire you get all sorts of stuff um but parapsychology wise one of my favorites i think is the tri-field meter um and there was one particular version of the tri-field meter that i i really like because what it does 
And so, so many of the, the drive me nuts because so many of the shows, they, they don't have any clue how to use these things. Um, but one of the, my favorite versions uh, is actually one that you, once you tune it, you set it down and you walk away and it comes out with this horrendous high pitch whine. Um, and, but what it does is it actually samples the immediate environment within a certain range. Um, and it samples the normal level of electromagnetics within the, the environment. And it basically is looking at a field around it. So when something passes through that field, the tri-field meter will spike and it makes this horrendous like whiny alarm noise. Um, but what I love about this, and oftentimes you see them on the people on the show walking around with these things. And, and of course they're going off like crazy because they're moving them. You can't move them. You have to sit them down um, and walk away from them. But uh, it, it's probably one of my favorite things because the only thing that can disrupt this field is something that has some sort of ability, usually biological ability to actually disrupt that magnetic field that it's, it's reading. And so when something like that goes off, like, you know, it, like a cat would set it off, you and I would set it off, nothing else should be able to set it off, especially if it's sitting still. And uh, yeah, when that thing goes off, that's it, uh, the hairs on the back of your neck definitely go up because you know something's disrupted that field. Um, so I, I think that's my favorite toy out of all of them because it's the one that you just, you know, something's moving, something's there, something's moving. And it's not like a trick of the eye. This is something that is just is registering a, a frequency. It's pretty cool. Hey, and the noise would give chills too. I, I, I like that you said the tri-field meter and not the K2 meter. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so so what, are you, what are your thoughts on the K2 meter? Well, I think the K2 is just very inaccurate. And at the end of the day, anything can set the damn things off, you know, especially things like, uh, you know, you get a text message and your phone's not on airplane mode, you know, that'll set it off. Um, you know, all sorts of various, various environmental uh, influences can can trigger it. And um, we, we actually do a, a segment at, at the Haunted Hollow for the, the students there um, with the K2 meters and show them how to trigger the, the meters just so that they can understand just how easy it is for these things to go off. So they're just they're just not very accurate. And I mean, it, it's you're not using like a, you know, the traditional copper coil like you'd be getting in a, a electrician's meter or something like that. It's just not as uh, not not what I would refer to people as a something that's very like it's essentially an RF detector, but it's it's been marketed, you know, so that way it could be sold for paranormal and all those other yeah. things. It, it's pretty it's, and it lights up. That's what yeah, people it's see, no right? So. Than an RF meter that you would use to find a hidden camera in the private investigating world. I have yeah. this one device. It's it, it it's got an antenna. It, it's actually more similar to the like, the EMF detector that they use in Supernatural. Okay. Pull it out and it they pull the thing out and do it. But that's right. an actual that's an actual bug sweeper. Yeah. So you're actually looking to find where the end, you can dial down to where the energy is. It has a dial on it. So you can bring it all the way up and then it'll make noise. But then if you can tone it down, so the noise stops, right. Here's your baseline, like a quick, it doesn't measure it uh, in terms of data, but audible. So you have your baseline and then you'll be able to, once you sweep and then if it beeps, then you dial it down a little bit more get a little closer and then boom, you find the hidden camera, you find Makes the hidden, hidden, hidden microphone. So, so the K2 meter is essentially the same technology, except it's super sensitive and you can't dial it down. Yeah. I like the REM pod, um, which is, 
similar device creates that magnetic field and you got that beacon and you can test it where the range is. So you can actually see the antenna there and you can see how far it is. And then you can be like, okay, everybody needs to go this far away. And when that thing goes up, that thing always gives me fucking chills. Yeah, yeah, I like I like something that you know yeah. where you're where something's you know interfering with a baseline because I, I think that's one thing that a lot of investigators they they miss is where you know they're saying oh there's a spike here or a spike there well yeah but you don't know whether you don't know what's normal and until you know what's normal you don't know whether something's abnormal. Um, yeah, and you have to do a baseline. And you have to. What I also like to do is I like to use all three of those devices. I'll use the REM pod. I'll use the trifield meter. I'll use my normal bug detector i'll even have a k2 but i'll have them all sitting down in the spot because if it's in if it's just a sweep of something coming by maybe the sensitive one the k2 picks it up but the rest don't but if the, if the rem pod goes off and it's buzzing and everything else is moving yeah. now you got to look at all of these different devices the engineering behind all of these devices you know even if one is defaulted or broken or the batteries are dead how did all of them go off? Yeah. So, you know, so that, you know, so that's, that's a tool. It still doesn't prove any more uh, than the single device, but if anything, it kind of reinforces that that particular moment. Yeah. You can't blame the device being faulty. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I mean, anytime you have more than one, one witness, especially technology wise, yeah. You know, it, it just helps way. to back up, right? You need to have a video camera to film. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it that it's detecting? Is it detecting my own my own thoughts? Because I'm like thinking in that moment, do something comes yeah. out, go off. Like it's well, that's the thing, right? It's like you know, is is it you know, are are we are we creating that? I, I think with uh, the I think with EMF, uh, the the nice thing about it, and the one thing I like with the trifield meter is that. Um, it's it's one of those things where you know if, if something has got to come in and disrupt that field, what that is is up in the air. I mean, we we don't know what that is, but at least that at that point you've got something that has you know moved from one space to another space in order to disrupt you know the field and set the meter off. Um, and so you can you can almost track a bit of movement there. You can track so there's there's a little bit more. Uh, I think you get a little bit more data from stuff like that than you than you would just. I don't know from you know what it is as i say whether it's a thought form or not who knows but <laughs> well, and that's where you 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 time yeah. the reaction too yeah ask the question how long does it take before the object you know the candle goes out you know right or, or yeah. the, you know how much time in between and then you ask it again did it happen again did it you know so like yeah. there's and then that that suggests intelligence you know yeah. and, but even that it's still a suggestion yeah. Exactly. So, okay. We'll leave it at that. How else, how, where can everybody find you? Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. Um, basically, well, my website's a one-stop shop. It's entityseeker.ca, which is on the screen there. Um, and uh, it's got all my social media links, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, you can find the books there, the podcast links, the works. Um, yeah, if you head there, you'll, you'll get to all of it. So. All right. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. Keep your eyes on this guy. Heed the world. Stick around for the after chat. CC and I are going to decompress this episode and then give you guys some uh, uh, um, teasers of what's coming next for Tesla. So thanks again and uh, see you soon. Bye.
That's it, everybody. That is a wrap. That is the end of it all. Thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to seeing you back next week, where we'll continue to have this conversation deep down into the rabbit hole in which we call the Ultra Spectrum. Thanks for joining us. I said that. That's it, everybody. That is a wrap. That is the end of it all. Thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to seeing you back next week, where we'll continue to have this conversation deep down into the rabbit hole in which we call the Ultra Spectrum. Thanks for joining us. I said that already. Oh, well. Fuck it. Either one. everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode of beyond the tinfoil hat if you're not watching us on youtube you're missing out on the live after chat between ryan stacy and cc in the after chat we'll be speaking directly with those in the live chat to answer their questions and comments we also provide the latest updates for the experience support association and our professional partners if you're interested to learn more about tessa and what we do and see the video that goes with the audio please visit the experiencer support association on youtube and subscribe if you do this you'll be able to join our live chat discussion don't forget that notification bell for updates on all tessa content and posts consider becoming a member of the tessa channel for additional perks and exclusive content you can find us at www.experiencersupport.org to learn more about the work we do and the support we offer for experiencers and the resources and content available for these researchers, investigators, and enthusiasts of paranormal phenomena. You are not alone, and we believe you. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes in the sky and heat the, the world. world.